Welcome back to Chef Talk. I'm your host, Gary Sheffield Jr. This episode, episode five of Chef Talk is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CHEF at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's 8 million balls. Or if Rob Manfred's involved, that is slightly south of that number. He's reportedly hiring a mediator. And a lot of us who have been involved, I'm here to tell you right now, with a mediating process, it doesn't always mean that the person hiring those mediators wants to find common ground. A lot of times they want to control the narrative. I'll dive deep into that. We have in another league, we have the Washington Commanders, otherwise known as the Redskins or Washington football team or WTF for a lot of people. And I'm going to tell you guys why that's going to affect baseball. It's going to affect really the Atlanta Braves. It's going to affect plenty of other teams. I'll explain that. And there was a list that I was made aware of these past couple of days that had from ESPN, of course, Albert Pujols listed below Derek Jeter all the time. I'm going to explain why that's laughable. Um, I'm sure plenty of people agree that Albert Pujols is a better baseball player, that he's f- way further up the list. I, I don't even know. I think they had him in the 40s. Um, I couldn't remember, but we'll discuss all that. So Manfred has hired a mediating process. He wanted to hire a mediating a mediator so that the Players Association and the owners could find a common ground. And what I want everyone to understand is that this is a PR stunt. This has nothing to do with finding a solution. I know we read articles um, from Jeff Passan out of ESPN that we shouldn't worry a few months ago, and and rightfully so. It was early, but what I wanted, what I want people to understand is when you see a mediator, it's time to panic. It just is. I know it's late now, and everyone is is panicking, but we should we really we should be freaking out at the fact that a mediator is showing up to this process because it literally means one thing. And anyone who's been a part of a mediator um, experience will tell you the sides are never close when you see a mediator. Usually what's at work here is that one party who hires the mediator understands we are not going to get them to come to our side. So what they do is they're usually going to try to change the narrative to other people. And those other people are us, the fans. They want to change the way we feel about the Players Association, about Tony Clark, about the players. And we are starting. You, if, you, if you haven't noticed, we're starting to see people flip on Tony Clark. And Tony Clark hasn't done a fantastic job. He just hasn't. He's been very soft in representation for these players. He's been weak. It's weak. And the sad part is, is anytime you have a product that's making billions of dollars and that product, the people involved directly with the product are not getting really any portion of the pie, of the, of the lucracy of this company. Within the first seven years of their contract, they're not making really any money. $500,000, I talked about it in episode, I believe one, where Mike Trout was making 500 G's to be the MVP of the year, MVP of the American League, and you're not getting a cut. And what baseball owners are trying to do 
is they want you to feel like players are being selfish for trying to get paid. Selfish. Do you feel selfish when you ask your boss for a raise? I don't. I feel like I've been waiting to have this conversation for six months. But imagine if your boss was like, we're so far apart on these negotiations. We need to hire a third party to discuss this. You're not finding a solution. They, the person that's hired understands this is, the, this is the person that's paying me. This is the first opinion I'm hearing. We need to get this other party, the players. They, we need them to come to our side. How do we figure, how do we understand their point of view and then bring them to our side? That's what mediation is. It's what it is. I've been a part of it. They show up. They say, hey, well, we've heard their side of the story. We want to hear what you think. And then we'll tell you what we think. That's what they do. And they've already been briefed on what the other party, the first party thinks. And then they're going to be also briefed on what you likely think. And that's where leaks come in. Leaks. They'll tell you. They'll say, hey, th this, this other party feels this way. It's always compassionate. It's always understanding, right? It's understanding of trying to find a solution. We want to find a common ground. There's no common ground here. There's none. We're likely to miss we're likely to miss at least half the season. They're not close. It's been reported they're not close. And we were told, don't panic. How Are you panicking now? I'm friends with multiple minor league players. They're the only guys who can report to camp. What kind of baseball do you expect to see midway through the year when, when the young guys are the only players who can show up to the yard? A mediation is a disaster. It just is. You don't ever hire a mediator and then come to a common ground. It's not that simple. It's not. Once you start losing games, people start losing money. Unfortunately, the players usually lose. They lose these negotiations. There's pressure, a lot of pressure, especially on the young guys, a lot of pressure. It's hard to make the big leagues. It's not easy. A lot of these guys don't have guarantees. What about the guys? What about the guys who don't have roster guarantees? It's hard to watch this sport just sit by the wayside because the owners always win. They always have. And I tried to tell people the players might be losing, but have the have the owners ever lost? Have they ever lost? Three years ago? Let's let's just travel back to 2016, normal season. 2016. Do you, do you remember anything being significantly better about Major League Baseball than it was last year? I don't. Outside of maybe an extended playoff that you could have enjoyed, can you think of one reason why they would have the owners would make significantly more money than what they do, what they did five years ago? I can't. I can't think of how the product's any better. If anything, people dislike the product even more today than what they did five years ago. Nothing's gotten better. So what changed? Manipulation. Manipulation. That's what changed. We have service time. Everyone's going to say service time, service time, service time. The owners don't want to come off service time. They don't. I talked about the whole Chris Bryant situation. They don't want to change that. Because they understand to the fan, from the fans' perspective, they're going to look at a guy 
like Chris Bryan and say, you're making $30 million. How am I supposed to feel bad for you? How am I supposed to feel bad for you? And Chris Bryant's approach most likely is, I don't want you to feel bad for me. I just know I'm making the team far more than the number you're seeing. And not only am I making them more than 30 million, I was making them far more than 30 million when I was making 500,000. And that's what many fans just don't get. They don't understand it. And that's what Tony Clark's job is to negotiate, to make sure that's less likely to happen. It's his job. Find ways to put money in the players' pockets. That's your job. Find ways to empower Major League Baseball players. Your job. Not complex. To me, it's not complex. But the issue is if Tony Clark is going to be hard on his, if he's going to be hard on his stance, owners are going to pull out all the stops as well. A mediator's how. That's how they do it. Because I've seen it already this morning. Seen it. Friday morning. People saying, well, Rob Manfred is doing what he can to get a mediator in there, and the Players Association's not even going to show up. What gives? They shouldn't show. They shouldn't. Because what it tells me is that the owners aren't even bringing an offer that's in the ballpark of what the players want. I know the players are, have an offer that's, that's more luxurious than what they know they're going to get. It's part of negotiating. I get that. Both sides are, are far apart. I got it. They're in the extremes right now. But when we start losing games, that's when you start seeing a real solution, which is sad. And at a time where baseball is failing, it's failing. Those of us that are here watching baseball today, we were already watching baseball yesterday. doesn't make any difference. We love baseball. We're not going. We're not really going to go anywhere. We're not going anywhere. But how does the game grow? Growth literally means we have people watching tomorrow that weren't watching today. How do you accomplish that? Well, I can tell you right now, sitting here squabbling about whether or not a DH can be here or, or, or manipulation with service time. The longer we take on a solution, the worse this game is. And the only reason the game was saved after the last strike was because of the steroid era. Never forget. Those players that they just can't stand, that it's a bad, that guy's a bad guy, this guy's a good guy. That, that generation, that era, that they were, that most of the players' writers the, are, are essentially sending to the wayside. See you later. Save baseball. Remember that? Who's saving baseball today? Who's doing it? I don't know. I don't know who's doing it. There's great players today. Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, all these guys, great players. Are they saving baseball? You tell me. Me personally, I don't think they're saving baseball. I don't think there'll ever be anything as captivating as the steroid era. So will they save Rob Manfred in this league? Will they do that? I don't know. Doubtful, isn't it? Isn't it doubtful that suddenly the product that wasn't good enough last year is going to save the sport this upcoming season after a lockout? I don't know about that. I don't. Baseball just seems worried about entirely different things than what the fan, the fan perspective is. They're just worried about two totally different things. And I understand the business side of it. You're going to be, owners are going to care about What's coming to their pocket? I understand that. I do. But we have too many guys owning baseball teams that don't care about this game. 
They don't care. Should be some type of requirement. Should be forced. You should be forced to understand the game. There should be some type of test where a person is a fan of baseball. So they don't veer, they don't just steer so far away from shore that we don't even recognize the sport anymore. It's just a cash cow. Everyone's making more money, all owners. Royals, Yankees, Red Sox, doesn't matter which team you name. They're all doing significantly better. Despite COVID, despite anything, doesn't matter. They're all doing better. Product's not better. Nothing's better. The way they've manipulated the players is they're getting smarter. They're getting better at it. They just are. Really sad. They're worried about the wrong things. We have teams of the other sports, like the Washington Commanders. They were just named the Commanders. Why? Because of offense. They're worried about things that have nothing to do with anything other than offense. And I tried to tell people, this is a disaster, and it's worth. It's actually worth looking at as a baseball fan to see the Washington Commanders. Is it that big of a deal that we have to start calling them the Commanders other, other than the Redskins? It's not, it's not huge. It, it's not that inconvenient to us. It's not really what it's about. The real issue here is who says when it stops? Who? Is it minorities? Do we say when it stops, when it's no longer offensive? Is that when it ends? Because I live in Arizona. Plenty of Native Americans here. I haven't heard one complain to me about the Washington Redskins. Indifferent. They don't care. Not saying all of them don't care. It's not what I'm saying. But the majority, I haven't heard it. But you know who I hear it a lot from? White people on Twitter. A lot. The champions of change. Really? When, who, who says it stops? If the Nazis wore red socks, would the Boston Red Sox be offensive? Would they? Well, Gary, you're, you're, you're bringing it a little far. Am I? Am I? Because if it's offensive to a small minority of people, who says it doesn't go? Who says it doesn't change? Who says that? Is baseball suddenly racist and negligent for not hearing me out for my complaints? Are they? And that's what I try to tell people. Should never change the Washington Redskins because the people who matter don't care. And the people who care don't matter. It's white people on Twitter. Stop listening to them. They're trying to appear to be good people. That's it. That's all it is. Other people out there actually worried, worried and they're trying to promote good change, sure. But the majority, they're not. They're not. They're interested in being told by different groups of people that they're championing their cause. That's what it's about. And this generation of people has complains more than any other group of people in history. We have Twitter. We all have platforms, all of us. Every person watching the show today likely has a Twitter or Instagram. You can, your voice can be heard by your small group of friends and it will grow. One person will agree with what you said. They, they might post something. It spreads. We all have a platform, just different sizes. We all complain. And we complain more than any other group of people, like I said. Most depressed, most anxious, 
Doesn't seem to be working, does it? We're promoting more change than any other group of people in the history of mankind. In any country ever. The most unhappy. Suicides through the roof, higher than they've ever been. But we don't, we, we don't, beat goes marching on. We're fine. Washington commanders, why not the Atlanta Braves? Why not the Tomahawk Chop? We want to stop everything. If we don't like something, it stops. Make it inconvenient for that person. That person says something we don't like, cancel that person. He doesn't deserve a platform. That's what this is about. You saw with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan literally has a show where he gets high with his buddies and he just shoots the breeze. Guy literally endorsed Bernie Sanders and then can bring on uh, Donald Trump Jr. And have a conversation. That's not what today's society is about. That's not how they want to operate. That's why they hate Joe Rogan. They can't stand him. They can't stand him. And people today fighting for the Washington commanders, those people have never mattered to anyone. They just don't. I miss old school society where you get involved in society and then you say, you you already know. This society is not going to change just because of me. It's going to have to be a significant amount of people who believe what I believe to enforce change. That's how we determine when changes are necessary. Not when six group of people named Adam are sitting there typing away on Twitter. And suddenly they have, they have force because they have 50,000 followers. Because they have 500,000 followers. Oh, well, this, we don't want bad PR from this guy. So maybe we need to make a change. The Native Americans didn't care about the Redskins. They didn't care. And they're going to try to change the Atlanta Braves. They will try. They've already tried to change the Tomahawk Chop. It's sad. It really is. We are the most anxious, depressed group of people. And we are the most, we feel we're the most heard of any group of people. And rightfully so. We are. Does it seem to be working? I don't see it. I don't see the results. And they don't either. Because each individual that's moaning and complaining, they just want to be told, you're a good person. That's all it is. It's because all of our validation is on social media. All of it. And that's why we have so many people bashing one another on social media. Is because if we know that's where, that's where all of our validation is supposed to come from, that's where all of our criticism goes. Social media. Major League Baseball does not want any criticism on social media. They just don't. So if six people have their feelings hurt, change it for them. Change it. Change it. Because 36 white people on Twitter said the tomahawk chop was offensive and they left me a little 300-word blog about it. I don't care. You shouldn't care. You really shouldn't. Because 30 years ago, when people cared far less about what you wrote and what you said. People were happier. People were happier. They just were. They were enjoying baseball. Attendance was up. People were actually, people were happy. They just were. And it continued on all the way into the 2000s. We were happy. What happened? 
Oh, that's right. All of us, all of us got a platform. All of us now feel our complaints are, are worth listening to. Why isn't my complaint listened to? It shouldn't be. If I complained about something, is it should I expect something to happen? I shouldn't. Why should I? Because now suddenly, if something isn't heard from what I say, now I feel some type of what? I feel depressed. I feel anxious. Because someone else and how they name a team controls my happiness, controls my ability to feel included in this country. Right? That's what they said. The tomahawk chop disenfranchises a group of people. Here to tell you right now, if the tomahawk chop makes you feel some type of way, turn it off. Turn it off. And realistically, if the tomahawk chop upsets you from watching Atlanta Braves games, your priorities are not in order. First world problems. That is the most first world problem thing I've ever seen. People all over the country, you should really start traveling, guys. Head, head to Europe. Go to the Middle East. See what real problems look like. Yet here in America, we're the most depressed people because we think the Atlanta Braves and the Tomahawk Chop is a topic worth completely upending, changing it. It's not. It's not. So when I saw the Washington Commanders, I thought, I wish we were more old school. I wish. Because we would be happier and things would be changing a lot less. Meaningless things would be changing a lot less. And I wanted to discuss one last player from the old school. Came into the league in 2001, I believe. I'm almost positive. His name is Albert Pujols. And I saw him on ESPN's top 100 players list. They had him below Derek Jeter. And I didn't want to dive into where every player was. A-Rod was entirely too low. A-Rod's a top 10 player of all time. He just is. Alex Rodriguez is a weird guy. A little weird. But to me personally, on TV, he's been really funny. I'm starting to grow a softer spot for Alex Rodriguez. Pretty funny guy. Because he's starting to be more, less self-conscious. He's, he's just... He's able to laugh at himself the way he wasn't before. So now we can hopefully start getting back to objective baseball with A-Rod and understanding what type of player he was. I, I get the whole steroid thing. I got that. But Alex Rodriguez, when you hit 320 with 40 home runs and 120 ribbies in the middle of a lineup for 10 to 15 years, can you name 15 players that were doing that? I can't. I just can't. And that brings, me to, that brings me to Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols came in the league as a rookie. He was the best player on the team. Team was pretty good. Albert Pujols was the best player on the St. Louis Cardinals for a decade, for 12 years. The best player on the field, by far. And he was good at first base. Albert Pujols, I... I believe young people forget how good Albert Pujols was because of his injuries in Anaheim. I believe that. They think, oh, well, this, this guy had a 20-year career who was more consistent. But was the first 10 years anywhere close to Albert Pujols? The answer is no, always. It's always been no. And that's where the list comes in. They had Derek Jeter ranked above Albert Pujols. Me personally, Derek Jeter was never... He was the leader of the Yankees in the clubhouse, but was he the leader on the field? He was incredibly clutch 
He's first ballot Hall of Famer, should be unanimous. Got all of that. Got that. But there were other players who were worth that type of praise. They were pretty on his team. My dad was on his team. Alex Rodriguez was on his team. Hideki Matsui, who I named as the most underrated baseball player of all time, was on his team. Bernie Williams on his team. And you can look down the lineup. The lineup doesn't lie. It doesn't. Where they place players in the lineup never lies to you. When my dad came to the lineup, they said he's likely to back Alex Rodriguez up in the four spot. We're going to put A-Rod in the three spot. Made sense to me. A-Rod's in the height of his career. My dad's on the back end. 35, 36 years old. It made sense. But eventually, as time went on and the numbers started to present themselves, they said, Gary Sheffield needs to be hitting third. Why? Because Yankees fans will tell you, they never booed him not one time because he came through all the time. My dad was ready to play in New York. His personality was ready to play in New York. But you know who wasn't able to just be plugged in at the three spot and just say, go to work? It's Derek Jeter. Part of that is because of the lack of a power game. I understand that. Some players don't bring power to the yard. I understand that. You're limited offensively. Contact hitter. Doesn't mean you're not an elite all-time Hall of Fame hitter. Doesn't mean that. Because when I look at Pete Rose, I wouldn't look at Pete Rose and Barry Bonds and say, well, Pete Rose is probably as good of a hitter as Barry Bonds. No, he's not. Might be able to hit the same average, but where are those power numbers? Can he do it all? Can he put the ball in the seats when we need it? No. Pete Rose can't. Not at the level of Barry Bonds. And that's why Albert Pujols is a better player. He may have only played 12 years to Derek Jeter's 20, but look at those 12 years. The Hall of Fame writers have told us we look at 10 to 12-year peaks, don't we? That's what we do. Derek Jeter was clutch, all that. Albert Pujols wasn't clutch. He was the best player on two World Series teams. He had three home runs in a World Series game. And I believe his final year in St. Louis. Albert Pujols was a top five hitter of all time. Top five hitter of all time. It's going to be very difficult. It's very difficult to have a guy who was consistently a 300 hitter for 20 years and then compare him to a guy who hit 330 every single season. He was essentially the best hitter in baseball for 12 years. And it didn't take him two to three years to find his footing in big leagues. No, this dude just showed up. Albert Pujols just showed up to the yard and was the best player on the field. It's insane. Other than Barry Bonds, there's no one else more feared. Albert Pujols was a joke. He single-handedly destroyed Brad Lidge. Destroyed him. Clutch. Dude, his nickname is The Machine. And Derek Jeters was the captain. Two totally different roles. Both probably equally important. But when I look at a player, what's harder to do, be a team captain or hit 330 for 12 years and hit 40 bombs every year? Give me Albert Pujols. Really not that hard of a decision. I love Derek Jeter. Love him. Dude's an absolute beast. Sure, you're going to have people who are arguing Nomar Garcia Parr is a better player, whatever. I, I get whatever. I've heard the arguments. Um, but to me, Derek Jeter 
was a perfect baseball player. He just was. But Albert Pujols was beyond perfect for 12 years. Beyond. Albert Pujols was the machine. If he's at the plate, a disaster's coming. It's a disaster for the other team. Essentially, he's essentially the only other player who's worth that intentional walk with the bases loaded. He's like one of the other five guys I would consider it. Albert Pujols. But people forgot. We forget quickly, guys. Albert Pujols is that washed guy in Anaheim. That's what the young kids will tell you. That's what they tell me. Albert Pujols, he's stealing $240 million from the Anaheim Angels or whatever they're decided to be called this year. Stealing money, stealing money, stealing money. How about, how about the money they stole from him in St. Louis? Where was his paycheck then? Was he the highest paid player back then? No, he wasn't. Nope. Look at his production in his top 12 years and then place him up against any player, any of them. And they rival any five players you can list in all time. And that's why he's a better player. He should be all the way up the list. He just should be. Who also top 15? The, the last half of his career has to matter somehow. And I get that. Put him, what, top 15 to top 20? I'd probably put him in the top 15. Albert Pujols. Dude is worth that type of respect. He's done it. He's done it in the clutch. Gets it done every day. Durable. Dude was durable for the first 12 years of his career. Plantar fasciitis is no joke. When I saw that, when he got to Anaheim, I said, they're in trouble. Dealt with it in college. We've dealt with it. A lot of us players, we've, we've seen plantar fasciitis. Players don't play well on it. They don't, especially guys who are 225, 230 pounds. It's hard. It's like stepping on glass. Can't play. You saw DJ LeMahieu last year play with a, with a I, I think it was a hernia. Yeah. Dude was unrecognizable. Was he stealing money from the Yankees or was he just hurt? Injuries happen. And Albert Pujols was, if he never got injured, Albert Pujols is considered probably a top four player of all time by everybody. But we just, we only mentioned that the last five years. And then in, without that, we just pretend that 2001 through 2011, Albert Pujols was just non-existent. We don't even remember the guy. It's an old folktale. Fools. These are fools. Ladies and gentlemen, these are fools. Albert Pujols, I know the Cardinals fans know because they watched him every day. But what do Yankees and Red Sox, what do they know? I sure hope they know, objectively speaking, that even if you love Derek Cheater, he's your favorite player of all time, whatever the case may be, Derek Cheater is not better than Pujols. He's not. And I hate doing the comparisons of players, but hitting third in a lineup does matter. There's a responsibility there that matters. Has to be taken into account. And we don't do that. So I hope I changed some people's minds. Um, thank you guys again for, for watching, subscribing to the show. If you haven't already, please do so put on the jingle. It'll let you know every Friday we go live. Um, we're going to start doing live shows over the next couple weeks. I know you guys want me to get engaged in the chat. I want to do so as well. Um, so thank you guys so much. Thank you to Manscaped for, uh, providing this for this network. Um, I appreciate you guys so much. Um, and, uh, till next time guys, see ya. Before it hits the front page.